Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to welcome the nerds. Welcome everybody to this latest episode of Nerd Degree. My name is Erin Harrington. I'm your host for this evening, or whenever you happen to be listening in the comfort of your uh, running slash gym routine. Uh, <laughs> no, that's that's that's. Uh, you realise nerds, right? <laughs> okay, I take it all back. I take it all back. Uh, today we are looking at teratology, at the monstrous and the abnormal, and we're going to be exploring these things as we grill our nerds on the great big monster grill. Uh, well, let's start by. <laughs> which is fantastic. I love me a monster grill. Uh, we're going to start on my right. We have Team Jekyll. Uh, can you introduce yourself, starting with Sin? Yeah, hi. I'm Centuri Chan. I'm a member of the 501st Legion. Uh, over to you, Jeff. My name is Jeff Clark. I'm an improviser, writer, actor, and uh, digester of 1980s horror movies. Ooh, very appropriate for today's uh, episode. Uh, and finally, Karen. I'm Karen Healy. I write young adult science fiction and fantasy, and I love me some good human-style monsters. Good. Can we have a round of applause for Team Jekyll? (laughs) And over on the sinister left, we have Team Hyde. Can we start with Woody? Hi, uh, my name is Woody. I'm from Wellington. I'm also an improviser, and I work at Trade Me Custom Sport, and I like me some monsters. Very good. Mm. Over to Matt. Uh, my name is Matt Powell, uh, font nerd, improviser, and level four half-elf rogue. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Ben. And I'm Ben Allen, uh, beard-wearing man <laughs> and T-shirt purchaser. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, of course, is very important for those of you listening at the gym. Um, and, of course, today we have a monster under the bed reading our scores for us over to Brendan Bennett. Hello, Brendan. Aaron, I'm delighted to be here. Oh, fantastic. Very good. Uh, to start off, I would like the teams to roll for initiative. Come on, come on. Eleven. Fourteen. Ooh, ooh so yeah. starting with Team Hyde. Uh, we're going to start off uh, with a round of Nerd Quotient, Monster Trivia Edition. First question. Perhaps the greatest monsters to come to life during the 20th century were Jim Henson's Muppets, which first appeared in the show Sam and Friends in 1955. But according to a song, which well-known Muppet was originally called Sid? First of all, I just like, it's interesting that we uh, put the, the, great, the greatest monsters of the 20th century in the Muppets and not say the Nazis. Um, <laughs> I, 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 said, I, said, I, said, I said perhaps. Right, there was perhaps. a qualifier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, are, you, are, you, are you struggling over uh, the team height? Shall uh, I throw it um, over? It uh, unless it was Sid Piggy. Or Sid the Eagle, instead of Sam the Eagle. Oh, not quite. Uh, I, I would say it was Kermit the Frog. If we I just keep going, we should name all the Muppets. No, 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 I'm bored with this. I'm bored with this. <laughs> no, in fact, in the song The First Time Me Eat Cookie, Cookie Monster says that prior to his first cookie and his rapid slide into sugary degeneracy, he was a, quote, mild-mannered kid, unquote, and that he thinks his name might have been Sid, oh, something that was later corroborated by the Sesame Street Twitter account. So the massive ingestion of sugar has actually messed with his long-term yeah, you memory. can You can see it in the video. He eats the cookie. He's a tiny little baby, and his eyes go googly. I don't remember this. My mum has only told me this, but apparently I was terrified of Cookie Monster Aww. as a child. Which <laughs> makes sense to look at a certain logic because he could just stuff everything into his sort of... <laughs> cavernous Cavernous more. More. yeah. He's got to just... <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I can imagine that could be quite scary. Cookie Monster, destroyer of worlds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, cookie Monster's allergic to two types of cookie. What are they? Strawberry cookie. Nope. Peanut cookie. Oh, peanut butter, yes. You can have a point for that. Thank you. 
one other, also of the nut family. Hazelnut cookies? Another point for oh. Jeff. Fantastic. Uh, in 2007, Cookie Monster also appeared on Martha Stewart's television show with the revisionist message that cookies are only sometimes food. Uh, next question. Oh, <laughs> I know. your roots, Cookie Monster. As, as well as, well as um, things like eggplant, apparently. So, so there we go. Over to Team Jekyll. Uh, what connects the British progressive rock group Emerson, Lake and Palmer, an unmade film version of Frank Herbert's Dune, and a carnivorous German condom? What? <laughs> they all what? inspire the human centipede. Mm. That, that is potentially correct. That is, <laughs> that is not the answer that I'm looking for. I'm uh, are they connected to Frank Herbert in some way? Uh, well, one of them is connected to Frank Herbert. Right, the last one. Um, the, the, the middle one about uh, Frank Herbert. The condom connected to Frank Herbert? Well, actually, the, the, the carnivorous condom kind of did look a bit like a lamprey sandworm. Mm. So, so, so there's, there's a, a loose connection there. Are you, and, and, any other ideas? They're all things that appear in my nightmares. <laughs> not, not, not your dreams? No. Not your happy dreams? So that unmade Dion, was that Hodorowski's one? Yes. Yeah. So, is the connection Hodorowsky? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Each okay. had design work by Swiss surrealist H.R. Giger, oh, who was perhaps best known for his work on alien films. Giger designed the cover of Emerson, Lake and Palmer's 1973 album, Brain Salad Surgery, did extensive designs for the greatest film that was never made, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune, and also served as a, quote, creative consultant for the 1996 <laughs> German horror-slash-comedy-slash-romance Condom des Grauens, or Keller Condom. Tag the rubber that rubs you out. <laughs> You're welcome. You can, you can download it, but it takes a lot of gigabytes. Oh. No points for that. <laughs> nope. Back over to our Team Hyde. What film begins with the following disclaimer? Due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult. Is it Martin uh, Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ? No, it is not. <laughs> Good answer, though. Is it The Exorcist? No, it's not. Mm. I'm sorry. Rosemary's Baby? No, no, no. You're, 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 you're kind of barking up the wrong tree here. Oh, Think no. music. Ooh. Ooh. Yellow Submarine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. It's not Yellow Submarine. No, it was, in fact, the 13-minute music video for Michael Jackson's 1983 hit, Thriller, as directed by John Landis. Um, at the time, Michael Jackson was one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And, in fact, the Watchtower Society went to the effort to include a public apology from Michael Jackson himself regarding the Thriller video clip in a 1984 edition of Awake magazine. Uh, name some other monster films that were directed by John Landis. Uh, an American Werewolf in London. Yes, a point for that. Uh, the Childhood of Max Landis. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's point worthy, but anything else? Uh, did he do the sequel as well, The American Werewolf in Paris? <laughs> he, he also directed yeah. uh, part of Twilight Zone, the movie, and also Blues Brothers 2000, oh, which I think we can all agree is monstrous. Yeah. Okay, back over to Team Jekyll. Uh, this question is about teratology, or the study of abnormal development. Mm. So long before our hoity-toity modern science came along and was able to provide apparently rational explanations for things, cultures came up with a variety of inventive reasons for the occurrence of things like congenital deformities and mutations in human beings, ranging from them being, on one hand, good owners omens, or signs that certain rulers were ordained by God, to them being, on the other hand, bad omens, and signs that everything was awful and the end times were nigh. But during the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, what was considered to be one of the key reasons for congenital disorders or so-called monstrous births? Was it the devil? 
Wasn't well, well, the evil eye? Well, they're, they're kind of loosely related. There's a more causal effect at work here. Witchcraft? Again, kind of loosely associated. Bad ear? <laughs> Bad ear. So think, think a little more viscerally. Was the humours? Oh, was, close. Was, was it, was it the, the amount of, uh, like, the, the plumbing? Something wrong with it? <laughs> That's cholera. That's UTIs. Because the Romans went, went mad because their entire aqueduct system was lined with lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to insanity and, and may well have contributed to the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. I'm just trying to think if there was anything... Well, it's, it's, that's actually probably quite a good guess, but it's not the one I'm after. Uh, the answer I'm after is the fallibility of women. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so maternal imagination... <laughs> Hysteria! <laughs> which, which was also called maternal impression. So this was a theory that suggested that women's bodies are very susceptible to all manner of uh, shocking events. So that when a pregnant woman who is exposed to something shocking or traumatic, including but not limited to cursing or witchcraft or being startled or hearing a gross description of something gory like the wounds on a dead body, this would imprint that impression upon the child so that the strangeness of the child was, refle- was a reflection of the mother's own weaknesses and could act as a lesson to all us lady folk. And the Victorian so, for instance, yeah, yeah. So, so, for example, a woman who saw someone with deformed hands might pass this deformity on to a child. A woman who was verbally attacked might give birth to the Australian cricket team. And a woman, <laughs> and a woman who got told about the inherent and baffling uh, incomprehensibility of the universe might give birth to the final season of Lost. <laughs> Just thought I'd stay up to date with the references. Yeah. There. Yeah. And final, one last question here, and both teams can uh, ding in if they'd like. One of the greatest monsters of all time, one of the, we're not counting the Nazis here, uh, <laughs> is Godzilla, a terrifying, a terrifying sorry, allegory for the destruction wrought by the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, who originally appeared in the 1954 film of the same name. But what does the word Gojira mean? Go can be five. Maybe. <laughs> come on, come on, Japanese major. Uh, I wasn't a major. Remember how I failed and then cried on your shoulder? Come on, come on <laughs> Japanese loser. <laughs> um, is um, it like Jira? Jira is his name, and people are like, go, Jira! Well, uh, that did work. Jira, I, like, I don't know how many people in the audience are software developers, but Jira is actually the bane of my existence. <laughs> it's, a, it's a software bug tracking system, uh, and I use it every day, uh, and it tells me how many bugs I haven't fixed yet. Um, And so uh, Jira always gives me nightmares anyway. And as Karen said, Go is the Japanese number for five. Mm. Uh, And so it's uh, obviously Gojira is five times as bad as anything I've ever experienced in my professional career. I think that's a great answer and it's not the right one. It doesn't Um, mean terrible lizard. No, it doesn't, but but it is a a portmanteau of two words. So what what might those two words mean? Uh, the first uh, word go is, is uh, f- from God. The first word is gorira, and the oh, second the is kujira. So it's a portmanteau. Gorilla lizard. A gorilla whale. So you can have half a gorilla whale. Gorilla whale. Gorilla whale, which apparently yeah, alludes to his size, his strength, and his aquatic origin. Uh, do you know what other cinematic monster of around about the same time uh, Godzilla was based on or inspired by? Was it King Kong? 
No, it wasn't. That was a couple that of decades earlier. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> it was the uh, it was the Readosaurus from Ray Harryhausen's 1953 film, The Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, aka the monster from beneath the sea. Oh, of course. I like how they simplified the title so you don't need the depth anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, Twenty Thousand Fathoms, yeah. just beneath the sea. Yeah, the, ti- the title for those of you with dyscalculia. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, so that's the end of the uh, monster trivia nerd quotient round. Brendan, can you tell us the scores? I can, Aaron. Team Hyde has only one point. Oh. Woo! <laughs> Team Jekyll is abnormally developed with six points. Ooh, fantastic. <laughs> now, this next uh, game is called Creature Feature, and I'd like each of you to pitch me a movie trailer. But first, can we please have a word from our sponsor? Of course. Just not sure what those green flecks in your sausages are? Call the team at Frankenstein's Herb Identification now. Frankenstein's herb identification. It's a chive! A chive! <laughs> wow. That, 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 was, that was beautiful. Thank you, Green. You're so, welcome. Was, I think that joke was longer than the original Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Team Hyde, I would like you to uh, give me a movie trailer uh, that's called The Hunt for the Chupacabra, which is a mythical creature that was first reported in 1995, uh, is reportedly uh, attacks livestock and drinks their blood. Somewhere in New Mexico. Juan. Wow. Once again, someone has been sucking our goats. I don't like when they do that But who could have done such a thing? There's only one monster who could have done this Chupacabra I've been been hunting the Chupacabra my entire life You're not doing very well (laughs) He's wily and evasive And keeps escaping into old Mexico (laughs) Who would pay me for my goats? Your goats will be paid for in the blood of the chupacabra. This summer, the one movie you'll be glad to see doesn't suck. Thank you very much. The Hunt for the Chupacabra brought to you by offensive racial stereotypes. <laughs> uh, can, can, you, can you give me a tagline for that? Chupacabra, you suck one goat. <laughs> <laughs> one time. One time. Very good, very good. Now over to Team Jekyll. I would like you to uh, give me a movie trailer for a Twilight or Vampire Diary style supernatural romance between a human and one of the weeping angels from Doctor Who. <laughs> I just can't look away. But it's the only way I can talk to you. <laughs> Every day you're closer to me. Don't look at me. Just let me run my fingers through your hair. Will it be love? Or will the differences draw, drive them apart? Every time you look at me, I just get so hard. <laughs> I can't move. <laughs> I can't move. Close your eyes. 
Can I trust you? I'll just take your life. Every time I touch someone, I steal some of their time. Two souls, one universe. You can, you can have all of my time and all of me. Now you know why we weep. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's beautiful, guys. <laughs> um, what's, what's, what's this supernatural romance called? Why We Weep. In fact, yeah, what, what might you call a sequel to, to While We Weep? While We Weep, Crying Harder. <laughs> <laughs> Cry harder. Cry hard. <laughs> Thank you very much, Cry Team Jekyll. <laughs> so we're going to move on now into the quotes round. So the first one, nice easy one. Apparently. Uh, I, <laughs> I think it's easy. So, I ask for so little. Just fear me. Love me. Do as that. I say and I will be your slave. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Jareth the Goblin King yeah. from, from, from 1987. Eyes could be so cruel. Do you realise what you've unleashed upon the world? I'm sorry. This, this, this itself is monstrous and I really apologise. So yes, of course, that's Jareth from Labyrinth, 1986. This next one, what are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory of what they used to do. This, yes. Uh, that Jeff? is a line from Dawn of the Dead. It is. Can this you finish it? This place must have been important to them. Yeah, very, very mm. close. You can both get a point for that. This mm. was an important place in their lives. Francine Parker and Stephen, Dawn of the Dead, 1978. And it's a shopping mall. And it's a shopping mall. <laughs> Prescient. Um, okay, so this next one's a little bit more obscure. We take the shit, we smash the shit, and then we put the shit back. I'll give you a hint. It's um, from a children's film. <laughs> <laughs> from the 1980s, which might explain a little bit. It is. Shall are, are you well, it's not me? Labyrinth. Because it's I not Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Princess Bride either. No. You, that, yes, the only two movies from the 80s. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the only two films. Very good. No, it's um, Maurice the Monster from the film Little Monsters. Oh, of course. Of course, of course. 1989, <laughs> featuring a very young Fred Savage, who is best known for his starring role in The Wonder Years. This next one. But this will stop you from turning pages. See, I'm tying the pages together so you oh. cannot... Yes, Matt. Uh, it's, uh, it's Grover from The Monster at the End of This Book. Starring lovable furry old Grover. That is correct. The full quote is, I'm tying the pages together so you cannot... You turned another page. You do not know what you are doing to me. Now, stop turning pages. And so on and so forth. Uh, this book from 1971 is the best ever selling Sesame Street title and a modern classic of children's amazing. literature. Yeah. It is amazing. Can you tell me how it was adapted in 2013? It turned. It was made into a little um, web thing that you could click on. Can you be more specific? Like an ebook. The monster a... at the end of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 you don't want to find that. Really do not. <laughs> Isn't it like a? It's like an interactive book that you that kids can click on online and mm. on an iPad sort of app thing. May, maybe. Um, 
Well, no, actually. No. Okay. <laughs> I was I'll just trying it. to be kind. Um, in fact, on January the 30th, 2013, the Sesame Street, again, Twitter account adapted the story, now titled, There is a Monster at the End of This Twitter Conversation, again starring Grover, this time with help from Will Wheaton. It included such tweets as, If you do not retweet any more tweets, we will never get to the end of this Twitter conversation, and that is good because there is a monster at the end of it. <laughs> also, why are you still retweeting? Also, ah, exclamation mark. 140 characters. Of, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's better than most Twitter accounts out there. <laughs> Next quote. Monsters from the subconscious. Of course, that's what Doc meant. Morbius, the big machine, 8,000 miles of Klystron relays, enough power for a whole population of creative geniuses operated by remote control. Is that from the black hole? No, but same era. Yeah. Oh. Forbidden planet? Yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> So that is a line by uh, Commander John J. Adams as played by... Oh, I can't remember. Anyone? Leslie Nielsen? Absolutely. Another oh, point for that. Oh. Forbidden Planet, 1956. Here's the first line from a monster-themed novel. You will rejoice to hear that no disaster has accompanied the commencement of an enterprise which you have regarded with such evil forebodings. Yes, Karen. Frankenstein by it Mary absolutely Shelley. is. Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, 1818. Frankenstein was the name of the novel. Yes, yes, not the name of the author. Yeah. Half a point, dog. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, continuing in a literary mode, this is a last line from a monster-themed novel, hashtag spoiler. Robert Neville looked out over the new people of the earth. Yes, Ben. I am legend. Absolutely. The very last words of Richard Matheson's I am legend from 1954 is I am legend. And finally, here's a classic uh, classic film. Hecate, Queen of Darkness, revenge yourself against the Thessalians. Deliver to me the children of the Hydra's teeth, the children of the night. Uh, yes. It must be Jason and the Argonauts. It absolutely is. It's King Aetes from Jason and the Argonauts, 1963. Mm. Now, look, legendary stop motion, it took legendary stop motion animator Ray Harryhausen how long to animate that amazing three minute scene in which the Hydra's teeth, that is, seven reanimated skeletons, come to life and fight three of Jason's men? It was real time, take? wasn't it? He was just there, like. Yeah, yeah, it was. Around. Just, just, just like, really. No, okay. uh, yeah. Like a year? No, it was less than a year. Less than a year? Nine months. It was less than a baby. <laughs> Six months. It was less than a really premature Nine and a half weeks. <laughs> no, it was four and a half months four to months. Um, animate every day. He sat wow. there with his, like, Fair adjusting enough. little skeletons. He used um, what was termed his patented, uh, patented dynamation technique, which combined a split screen with rear projection so that the live action could be easily combined in the same frame with stop-motion techniques. <laughs> um, did you... This, this was one of my favourite films from childhood and also adulthood. Um, what are some of your favourite monster films from childhood or most terrifying films? Oh. Oh, we, we, The Wizard we, of Oz. Yeah. Those monkeys. They were terrifying. I mean, they, they, they were going to fly right out of the screen, pick me up, carry me off to the witch. They were terrifying things. Yeah, oh. Actually, on that note, um, there was this, the sequel, Return to Oz, with yeah. the wheelies. Oh, that was, that horrific. Was up. The wheelies yeah. were the, the, Absolutely the scary horrific. ones for me. I was actually really freaked out by Little Shop of Horrors. Um, but not because of the Audrey 2, because of the, um, the, the laughing gas, nitrous oxide machine <laughs> yeah. that killed Steve Martin. I was really freaked out about, um, about him just being slowly asphyxiated by a mechanism of his own construction. Yeah, that's right. If you, if you watch The Exorcist, 
the 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 demon is not nearly as scary as all the medical contraptiony <laughs> things that she goes through. Because man is the greatest monster of them all. Yeah. The one that stuck out the most for me um, is the Dark Crystal. But, oh. <laughs> but the, yeah, the, 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 well, the scariest monsters in that for me were, were not the the Skeksis or the Gotham or the the Crystal Bats. Um, the monster that actually scared me the most when I watched the Dark Crystal for the first time was Fizzgig. When he pops out, it's <laughs> <and laughs> a quick jump scare. I, I jumped yeah. a foot and a half in the air. It was amazing. And you were only, you know, two foot tall, so yeah. it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Have any of you tried revisiting these films as an adult and then sat there deeply embarrassed? No, I still super you're... love The Dark Crystal. It's amazing. I yeah. rewatched a, a horror film, a terrible late '80s horror film called The Unholy, that had me possibly weeing my pants when I was little, and. Um, but watching it, and you can see the zipper up the back of the monster. <laughs> and it was all full of boobs. What was I doing watching that film? You were not being supervised. No, I was definitely... In fact, my, um, one of my earliest film-going experiences, well, film-going experiences, film-watching experiences, was when my cousins were meant to be babysitting me, but instead I was six years old and they showed me the fly. <laughs> so, oh. so top parenting tips. Yeah. yeah. That's the end of that round, though. Well done, teams. So over to the monster in the booth, Brendan. Can you tell us the scores? Certainly. The team in the lead of this round is friendly, lovable old Team Hyde. Oh, very good. This next round is one of my favourite rounds. It's called Bad for Your Elf. Bad for Your Elf. Bad for Your Elf. But first, I think we should hear from one of the show's sponsors. Hungry? Hunting the undead? Come along to our all-garlic, all-you-can-eat restaurant. It's a buffet for vampire slayers. <laughs> It's all on the delivery Um, Right, so this round of Bad for Your Elf We're going to start with Team Hyde Because they are in the lead We're going to start with a discussion of cryptids So these are entities like animals or plants Whose existence has been hypothesised or suggested But that there's no hard scientific evidence for Or things that are extinct or fictitious But are now of interest to cryptozoologists So you can think of things like the Yeti The Loch Ness Monster uh, The Jackalope and the Mongolian Deathworm I would like our team Hyde to have a look at this list of cryptids and try to sneak in as many of their own as they can uh, include. So just in your own time. And at the same time, I would like our team Jekyll to let us know true or false, real or fake. Mm. Okay. Uh, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Fake. That is, in fact, true. The Honey Island Swamp Monster is an unconfirmed two-metre-tall hominid or primate from Louisiana, a.k.a. the Louisiana Wookiee. (laughs) (laughs) The much better name. (laughs) The Misty Creeper. I think that's true. Yep, true. That is, in fact, false. Ah, but if it was true, it would be a, he'd creep through the mist. <laughs> I was like thinking like, like a plant thing. While that old jazz standard misty place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just turns out, look at me. <laughs> and if you look at him, you're as helpless as a kitten on a string. <laughs> Isn't it a Minecraft mod? <laughs> creeper. Yeah, could be. Next cryptid. The manatee of Helena. A manatee is a real thing. Yeah. Does Helena have a manatee? Is Helena an island? I don't know. No, no man is an island. <laughs> <laughs> false. 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 Okay, false. false. It is in fact real. The manatee oh. of Helena is an unconfirmed manatee which came up onto the land like a <laughs> seal. Unconfirmed un- manatee. <laughs> 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 Unlike... 
the, uh, the manatee of Helena is an unconfirmed manatee from St. Helena, which came up onto the land like a seal. It was sighted twice. It was probably, it was probably just a mermaid that they mistook for a manatee. That's <laughs> all the time. Next cryptid. Scranty Pete. <laughs> I true. just really want to I want it to be true. true. I want it to be true. <laughs> true. 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 Was in fact false. Ah, <laughs> crazy. So we're, we're not even a word. <laughs> we are doing... Okay, any, okay, from here on in, anything we think it is, let's say the okay. opposite. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Moving along. The Bear Lake Monster. Yeah. So it must be false. <laughs> false. False. False, it's true. Ah, <laughs> ah, true. Now, wait, wait, is it Bear Lake? Or is it a bear that comes out of a lake? It's, it, it's it, yeah. a, a, a lake monster that comes out of Bear Lake. Oh. Yeah. It is Otherwise a, it will be the bear, comma, lake monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we just need to put some parentheses in some there. Kind some kind of aqua bear would be pretty terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> the bear I'm lake the monster is a hoax animal that is said to have appeared near the Idaho-Utah border, which is reported to resemble a serpent, but with legs about 18 inches long, yada, 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 with a large undulating body, about 30 feet of exposed mm. surface, a light cream colour moving swiftly through the water, at a distance of three miles from the point of observation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very specific. <laughs> very specific. Wow. Moving along. Next one. Uh, the River Moose of Manitoba. True. Well, it's false, guys. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> really oh. I'm really disappointed. This is so bad. <laughs> okay, let's knock okay. it down, guys. I wanna, okay. I, we're not going to get anything in this round. <laughs> okay. We can get them all, round, all hey, wrong. Hey, what, what we can do to try and give you a bit of... Um, a bit of a boost is to start deducting points every time you get one wrong. Oh, oh. This, this, this is this I've, is I've already been terror. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know when we hit zero because we've got nothing left to lose. Okay, right, carry on. Next cryptid. The Andean wolf. I think it's true, but I don't know what. <laughs> I want to get true. 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 It is in fact true. Oh! Thank you. Thank you. That's the most applause we've ever got for getting one thing right. The, the, Andean rule, the Andean wolf or the Hagenbach wolf is a potentially extinct mammal once found in the high Andes of South America. Next one. Mm. Old Craggy. Well, that one, I think that one's true. Old Craggy. I know there's an old Greg. <laughs> um, let's go for Old Craggy. Yeah. Um, oh. Old Craggy is also. We think he's true, he must be false. Okay. Yeah. False. false. It is false. Yeah! <laughs> but if it was true, it would be A U L D. And if you live in the, the Highlands, it's got Old Craggy. Old Craggy. Okay, very good. I stood him up there with Scrunty Pete. And I'd like one more cryptid from our Team Hyde The Fiskerton Spectre. True. That word is too ridiculous to get out. Yeah. True. True. Well, it's kind of true. It's actually the Fisket and Phantom. Oh, so that was cunning on Woody's part. No, oh, you're not allowed to be changing. Oh, no, it's, no, it's still. Well, no, but, but the th- Phantom and Spectre are synonyms. No way. One is a ghost, also, and the other is a James Bond bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do need to step in here, Ben, yeah. because the Fiskerton Phantom is a phantom cat or spectral oh. bear oh. from Fiskerton in yeah. Lincolnshire, UK, originally sighted by four very excited young girls in 1997. <laughs> very excited. <laughs> so well well done to Team Hyde for a fantastic oh. round of Bad Fear Elf. Yeah. Bad Fear Elf. So we're now moving right. from cryptids to something just even more monstrous. We're going to be looking at titles from the TV show Friends. 
<laughs> Friends, of course, uh. was a many-headed hydra of primetime television <laughs> that has a perpetual cycle of televisual death and rebirth, and like any good monster, will no doubt outlive us all. So this is, in fact, what the cockroaches will be watching as they ride out the nuclear winter. Now, we're going to, because there are ten seasons of Friends, we're going to be limiting ourselves to season one, which ran from September 1994 to May 1995, because the nerd degree is a bastion of relevancy. <laughs> Take it away, Team Jekyll. The one with the Thanksgiving sweaters. That sounds. That sounds sitcom plausible. Sounds doesn't plausible. It? So, yeah, I'll say that it's true. Yeah. Mm, it wasn't true. Oh. It was a made-up one, a very good made-up one. Well yeah. done, Karen. So the podcast audience can't see Karen's mm. bluffing face. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see her smug face either. <laughs> the one with the monkey. That's- he did see a monkey. There was a monkey. It wasn't season one, though. It wasn't season one? I mean, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, what's the show? Marcel. What? The monkey's name was Marcel. So, so, but it was so not what's your one. answer? Oh, what's it? Oh, hang on. <laughs> it's just me talking. Right, uh, uh, I'm going to go with uh, not true. Not true? Not in season one? Ooh. It is in season one, but it's not on the list. So, oh, oh, is that an actual title? Yeah, it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yes! There is season one, episode 10, the one with the monkey, and then season one, episode 19, the one where the monkey gets away. So I'm not really sure what to do with the monkey. Oh, the whole system one. has fallen down. <laughs> Brendan can figure it out. I'm giving the point to Woody on Team Hyde. Very good, very good. Fair enough. Uh, moving along, next one. Uh, the one with the dog statue. The jury had the dog statue. The greyhound. True. Yep. Nope, that's a made up one. Uh, Remember, we're looking at season one, 1994 to 1995. Mm, Next one. The one with the blackout. That was the crossover with Mad About You. I don't know if it was in season one. I don't know when these things happened. (laughs) (laughs) But like, um, um, Phoebe's sister was there and she was the waitress. She was the waitress from Mad About You and they had a crossover and they met Brad Pitt in an ATM something. I literally have no recollection of any events that occurred on the television show. I I, I genuinely don't know if that was the plot, but that is a genuine title. (laughs) So, well done. I can... I can tell you the entire plot of that. Movie. How about we save that for the special extras in the podcast? Sure. Keep going. Uh, the one with the East German laundry detergent. Nineteen ninety four, right? Yeah. East Germany was no longer a country. <laughs> so the laundry detergent was really old. So that would have caused all sorts of hijinks and they loved hijinks on that show. I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> <laughs> true or false? False. Oh, it's true. Oh. <laughs> Season one, episode five. Next episode. Okay, watch scene. He's got to tell. <laughs> the one with two parts, part two. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say that part one of the one with two parts was at the end of season one. And the one with two parts, part two, was the start of season two. So I'm going to go with false. Uh, it's true. It's episode 17. Episode oh. 16 was the one with two parts, part one. Next <laughs> episode. Close. Um, the one with the dozen lasagnas. False. 
Nobody needs to hit me with lasagna. <laughs> Not even Joey. Joey. <laughs> oh, how we laugh. It's real. Sorry, guys. Oh. <laughs> I guess he did need that many lasagna. <laughs> First that, was, that was the Garfield crossover. <laughs> First year, January 12, 1995. Uh, we'll have another two. The one with Phoebe's mother. False. Well, she was dead, she, right? Yeah, and she came back as a cat. As well, like was Terry Gar turned out to be yeah, her actual wait, mother? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah, that's that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but then when they oh, and then I, I feel like Friends is another series like Black Books where everything you remember about the show happened in the first episode. Uh, and I think everything that we remember about Friends happened in the first season. <laughs> the, the, the one with Phoebe and the little book of calm. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. The one with Phoebe and the skinheads. Yeah. Yeah. And it all took place inside a snow globe. <laughs> so so do, you have, do you have an answer for me? I don't know. True. What was it again? <laughs> <laughs> the one with Phoebe's mother. No, 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 it's false. It's made up. Oh, yes, right. it is. Uh, one final one. Try and redeem yourselves. The one with the fake Monica. Uh, False. No banter? No, we're no. beat no. <laughs> 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 now. I just don't know what's happening anymore. The yeah. one with the fake moniker was in fact true. Oh. <laughs> uh, that was fantastic. Everyone, a round of applause for that round of death. <laughs> One piece of trivia is that our friends had 234, sorry, 236 episodes, and Firefly only had 14. That's a great fact. <laughs> that's, that's a great fact. Over to Brendan in the booth for the scores. There's only one point in it, and that means this is the one where Team Jekyll is in the lead. Oh, fantastic. False. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> never in series one of friends. So uh, this, final, uh, this final round is called on trial. But first, can we have one last word from our sponsors? This round is brought to you by the Settlers of Catan Lamb Board of Trade. We've got wood for sheep. (laughs) (laughs) That joke has been made in every game of Settlers of Catan that has ever been played. Universal humour. So we're playing on trial now. And of course there's a very long history of the sympathetic monster from Frankenstein's monster in Mary Shelley's outstanding piece of gothic romanticism to the recent domestication of the vampire from a rabid sexually charged beast to a moody, romantic and occasionally sparkly creature usually set apart by their exceptionally well-coiffed hair, their tailored leather jackets and or ball gowns and their penchant for vigorous and gratuitous sex scenes on cable. Mm, Those aren't gratuitous. What? (laughs) (laughs) Totally necessary for the plot. Totally necessary for the plot. Um, what I'd like each team to do, though, is to uh, defend a monster that I'm going to give them. Which is the most sympathetic, horribly misunderstood monster? Um, team Jekyll, I'd like you to take... Uh, actually, no. Team Hyde, I'd like you to have Pazuzu, the demon that possesses young Regan in The Exorcist. <laughs> you need to defend Pazuzu. And, <laughs> and Team Jekyll, I'd like you to... Uh, defend uh, manly monster Joffrey Baratheon, king of Westeros <laughs> and absolutely unrepentant what? monster <laughs> we've got the demon from hell and I think we're going to have an easier job <laughs> okay so so start um, start your defence please first team hide ladies and gentlemen of the jury it's important to respect tradition isn't it traditional family values And I think 
Uh, I stand before you today with a client with a long, long tradition. A tradition that goes back beyond what many of you would consider your traditional family values. And I think that's what we're about here today is questioning how, how traditional those values really are and whether they have in fact been usurped. You see, Pazuzu is an ancient Assyrian deity and as such predates uh, modern Christianity and the God of the Bible. That's right. And um, imagine his difficult upbringing, not even being sure of his own you know, home country. Is he from Syria? Well, he's from a Syria. <laughs> One of them. So, like, imagine the, the difficulty of not knowing your place in the world, casting about, looking for shelter, a home, a place to call your own, and stumbling across the convenient mind of a young child, They're just waiting to be filled with knowledge. When along comes this Johnny-come-lately and tries to compel you to do things. Christ. <laughs> What's with him? Uh, trying to evict our client from his lawful uh, refugee accommodation <laughs> that he's found travel from the Middle East, a violent region, in search of a better life in the United States. He makes it there. <laughs> he gets past border control. And what happens... Racism. Racism. People trying to drive him out just because they don't like his politics and his culture. You see, it's all about... Today is about all finding your inner child. <clears throat> he was trying to find his outer child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pazuzu, uh, as, as we know, is a, a helpful spirit. He's, he, may, he may be evil in some respects, but he, he wards off other evil spirits. And really, he just wants to, uh, he just wants to reach out. He wants to... Reassure you that your mother is gainfully employed. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so I'd like you to just finally wrap it up for the jury. Why is he the most sympathetic, most horribly understood monster? He's just looking for a place to call home. He's been wandering uh, the spiritual wastelands, not, not in hell, not in heaven, nowhere in between, looking for a place where he can have home and heart. That's right. And I think... Uh, it, all he needs is a bit of an image makeover, and then he'll really be a demon who'll turn some heads. Because after all, <laughs> that is tradition. <laughs> well done! <laughs> Pazuzu, the demon who'll turn some heads. So that's the defence for Pazuzu. Over to our team Jekyll. Can you tell us why it is that Joffrey Baratheon, uh, unrepentant child monster, is the most sympathetic, horribly understood monster of all time. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, unrepentant, yes. Monster, yes. But child, most certainly, yes. Joffrey is a minor. <laughs> His upbringing was fraught, to say the least. Not to say anything about the uh, genetic modification that went into his creation. Uh, my co-counsel has something to say on this. I'd like to quote some lines of Shakespeare, if I may. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Joffrey had greatness thrust upon him before he could achieve it, before he was of a suitable age to be a responsible king. He was misled by his advisers, he was misled by his mother, he was misled and given bad guidance by the advisers around him. Can he truly be held responsible for his actions as an aforementioned child and as an aforementioned 
genetically modified organism. The pressures we placed upon this 13-year-old boy would have and in fact did crush strong men and women throughout the ages. The pressures placed upon this child drove kings to madness and slaughter. And yet, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, our society thought nothing of placing that burden upon this golden head. I'd like you to think back to yourselves at 13. Would you put yourself in charge of an entire country at 13? Would you not indulge in your dark fantasies? Would you not take people's heads and put them on sticks just because you could? I say we are all Joffrey. And if we convict him, we convict ourselves. That's a, that's a very interesting take on uh, defending a monster. Um, what I'd like you to do is just wrap it up into your final statement, please. Joffrey's just a kid. If you were given a, a crossbow at that age, fire it round, willy-nilly, <laughs> wouldn't you? He it's, was, it's what kids do. He was home alone on the Iron Throne. <laughs> Very good. Now, I'd like, to, I'd like to put it to the audience this time. Is the most sympathetic, horribly misunderstood monster uh, the demon who will make heads turn Pazuzu? <laughs> Or is it Home Alone on the Iron Throne, Joffrey Baratheon? Fuck the king. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, it's a fine one, but I'm giving it to Pazuzu. Mm. Oh, we tried. Congratulations. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, as the monster in the booth uh, goes about calculating the final scores, I'd like each of the contestants tonight, uh, panellists tonight, to uh, recommend something to us here in the studio and out there in podcast land. Sen, let's start with you. Um, well, if we're going to... Uh Stick to the monster theme. I want to um, recommend one of my favourite uh, monster movies of recent times, The Host. It's a Korean monster film, and if someone can help me out with a director, maybe. Um, Bong. Lee Peng. Bong. Bong. Yeah. Yeah, just pass it over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look at it. Up. It's a um, subtitle movie, but it's um, fantastic. It's a bit of comedy in there, and it's yeah, a little bit scary as well. I'd plus one that. <laughs> I would like to recommend the TV series The Flash, which is um, regularly entertaining, features a fantastic rogues gallery of really cool villains and has one of the, the best villain arcs uh, thus far running with the, uh, with the reverse Flash. And I'm thoroughly enjoying this show. Karen? Um, I would like to recommend to all you literary monster lovers Spirits Abroad by Zen Cho, which is a fabulous collection of short stories um, of creatures from mythologies other than the West. So we have the Malaysian uh, Pontianak, which is a, a woman who dies in childbirth who then goes hunting down men with her long yellowed fingernails um, and various other wonderful, creepy, horrifying, and yet oddly sympathetic creatures of Malaysian folklore. <laughs> and I, of course, would like to recommend yet again The Nerd Degree. Uh, you can either come along to our live recordings on the first Wednesday of the month at Orange Studio in Christchurch, New Zealand, or you can find us on Twitter, iTunes and Facebook. And please give us a like, give us a share, give us a rating. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, stick, sticking with Monsters again, I would like to recommend a YouTube series called Marble Hornets. Uh, which is about uh, the very recently developed monster known as Slenderman, who uh, was basically um, came into being on an internet forum and is nonetheless extremely goddamn terrifying. And Marble Hornets uh, was made by a couple of uh, young guys uh, based around this Slenderman mythology, which doesn't even exist really, but um, 
uh, sort of becoming to build up through the internet, and it's very scary. And Slender Man haunts my dreams. Creepy pasta. Yeah, yeah. Very good, Matt. I'd like to recommend a book called "So You've Been Publicly Shamed." Uh, it's a new book by John Ronson, who is the author of Men Who Stare at Goats and The Psychopath Test. Uh, and it's about what happens uh, when you make a bad tweet or you make a mistake at work uh, and it spirals out of control and the mob rises up against you. And finally, Woody. Wow, I've got nothing to follow that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, seriously, though. Um, Nerd FM uh, is a podcast a couple of friends of mine do back in Wellington. Uh, we... We pretend that we know a lot about TV shows, such as The Flash and Arrow, um, but we don't. Um, but we just talk about it, and we just talk about TV shows and other nerd stuff like comics and monsters will probably come up next time. But uh, yeah, have a listen, see what we like, and uh, thank you for having me, Nerd Degree. Thank you. So the last thing we have to do is go over to Brendan in the booth for the final scores. Well, Aaron, he who fights with monsters should beware, lest he becomes Team Hyde, our winning team. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming along tonight. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in another couple of weeks, and thank you for listening to The Nerd Degree. No Degree was hosted by Aaron Harrington. I'm Brendan Bennett, signing off. The next next month I'll be hosting one of the episodes which will be superhero themed. So if you want to hear me explode my uh, superhero nerdy... It's very exciting. Puns? How many puns? Many puns. Do you, when you're hosting, write your own This is a knowledge. It's a group effort. No. A lamentable group effort. <laughs> I never do that. <laughs>